Uh, so good to hear that report of Sheltering Wings. It's our privilege and honor to be able to partner with um, organizations in our community that are making a difference and uh, to just come alongside each other to help make a difference. And if you are in a domestic violence situation, I encourage you to reach out to Sheltering Wings for help. Uh, thank you for your generosity because every time you give to Crossroads, a portion of that is going to organizations every month like Sheltering Wings to make a difference in our community. And so uh, thank you again for your generous uh, hearts and generous actions. Uh, today we are continuing on in a series of messages that we launched last week on the last days. And once again, I would encourage you to share this message. Um, I believe that today is going to bless you, it's going to minister to you, whether you're a Christ follower or you're not a Christ follower. I believe that God's going to use this message to touch and enrich your life and minister to you, but it also could minister to somebody else if you share it. And so uh, I just want to encourage you on any social media platform to be sure and do that. So many people, right? Uh, so many people today are asking, are we in the last days? Anytime there's a pandemic, we talked about this last week, anytime there's a war, uh, a big war, or any kind of conflict and situation in the world, uh, people wonder, is this the end of the world? Is the, is, are things coming to an end? And the study of that, of the last days, is called eschatology. So we introduced this last week by the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 13. Jesus spoke about the last days. He shared, and if you weren't with us last Sunday, I encourage you to go back and check out that message because he talked about wars. Uh, he talked about pestilence. He talked about uh, conflict. He talked about violence. He talked about different things that would happen, earthquakes, uh, all these various things would be pointing toward the return of the Lord, and they would be pointing toward last days. And like birth pains, and again, we said this last week, as they get closer together and more intense, then it means the time is approaching. So just like birth pains mean the birthing uh, of a person, likewise, there are are the birth signs of the coming of the Lord that Jesus referred to. But also, in the midst of all the challenges, in the midst of all the difficulty, I want you to also know that there will be an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit on the earth as well. And so people will be coming to faith in record numbers as we see today as many nations are becoming more and more Christian that we're not. And, and God is moving amongst people that have not had a gospel witness before. So the question I want us to answer today as we look at this topic is what's next? What's next? Maybe just type that in the chat, I'm wondering what's next? What is next? What is yet to come? Well, Jesus talked about this, and, and as we would pick up the story 
in Mark chapter 13 and verse 13, he begins a transition as he goes into what Mark records as verse 14, a time of tribulation. Now, I don't know if you've heard that term or not, but uh, theologians call this time a tribulation period. It's a seven-year period in which the world will have incredible horror that will take place. As a matter of fact, the pandemic that we're in will pale in comparison to what will come upon this planet. I mean, devastation like we've never seen. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the book of Revelation all describe this time, that, that it will be like nothing that has ever been seen before. And Jesus referred to this in verse 14 where we left off last week. And in that next verse, he talked about it as it would be an abomination of desolation, all right? Abomination of desolation. Well, what was Jesus referring to? He was referring to what we're gonna talk about today, that this in-between time of the launch of seven years of tribulation on the earth. Seven years of devastation in which about one-third, this is incredible to think about, one-third of the population of the earth will die. Now, that, that's crazy, isn't it? Because we've been talking about death for months and how many people are going to die from the coronavirus. I want you to know that, again, pales in comparison to what's going to happen soon. What is going to happen soon is, is there's going to be an outbreak like the world has never seen before. And so we're going to talk about what Jesus was referring to as the launch of this abomination of desolation. In that period, right as it gets ready to launch, there will be another incredible event. And that event is what I really want to hone in on today and help you to understand. It is the rapture of the church, the rapture of the church. This event, the Bible describes, and we'll read it here in a few moments, it'll happen in the twinkling of an eye. In other words, at approximately the speed of light, the time in which it takes for light to reflect off your eye, all of these events that we're gonna talk about will happen. The dead in Christ will be gone. The alive in Christ will be gone. And there will come a greater cataclysm of events that this world has never seen before. It will be hard, and I, I think it's hard to imagine right now, a world with no believers in it. Can you imagine? A world where there are no Christ followers, in which all the Christ followers are gone. And this event is on God's calendar now. It is on his calendar right now. Now, you and I don't know the day or the hour, but God does. 
God the Father knows the exact time, and Jesus talked about it with great anticipation. He talked about it as this incredible event. He says, I'm coming back for you. I'm going to prepare a place, but I'm coming back. And he repeatedly talked about it. Let me read a few verses. In Luke chapter 12, verse 40, he says, You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. In John 14, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place, so there is a place for you, okay? I just want you to know that. There's a place for you, and I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 says, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in a blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. A person who talks in detail, who received revelation from God about this event is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul comes to us on the pages of the book of Acts in the Bible, and uh, he, he is radically changed and transformed by uh, seeing Jesus in a vision, and, and it's so incredible that it, it takes over his life, and he gives his life wholly and completely to the living Christ, and he begins to preach, and the book of Acts tells us that he went to Thessalonica, one of the places he went was Thessalonica, but he only went for a couple weeks. Now, let me ask you, if you only have two weeks to preach, okay, I, I get the honor and privilege of preaching week after week here at Crossroads Church, but if you only had two weeks to preach and then you were going to be gone, what would you preach about? What would you talk about? What would you teach well, one of the things that Paul taught on was the second coming of Christ. It was the return of the Lord. And he taught it with such enthusiasm that they latched on to that message with such a heart that after Paul left, people began to talk a little bit more about it. And this is one of the concerns the preachers have is because after you preach... Uh, statistics say that most people forget most of what you said, okay, which is very depressing for those of us who preach week after week, all right, just being honest. Uh, and, and so what happens is many people just forget what, what was said, and then what can happen, and my dad used to be accused of this by my mother, and that is selective hearing 
Anybody guilty of that? All right. And filling in the blanks, you know, in which he would just kind of fill in some things, you know. And, and she'd be like, ah, I don't think that. Did they say that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they said. Well, that's what happened to Paul after he left, is people came along and began to fill in the blanks. People said, oh, well, that guy was a Christian and he died. Now he's going to miss the rapture. He's not going to be here when Jesus comes back. And so there was confusion. And some people were like, well, are they, did they miss out then? And, and, and what does that look like? And so Paul writes a letter, as he often would, to help correct and to help straighten out, to help clarify topics. And so he's going to clarify for us in 1 Thessalonians, the first letter that he writes to the people in Thessalonica, he's going to clarify to them a little more detail about the rapture. So let's pick it up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, and, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Now, the Bible talks about death in these terms, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. So, so Paul says, don't go around saying, oh, gosh, George missed the rapture. That's awful. He was such a great guy. He, he went to church all the time. He witnessed to people. He knew the Bible. He was, oh, man, he was such a solid guy. Now he's missed it. And Paul says, no, 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 no. George is asleep. That's all. Because here's the sleep is your spirit is never unconscious. Now, here's what he taught, and this is what Jesus taught. We'll get there in a moment. The body is asleep, but the spirit, now get this, is alive. Okay? The body's asleep, but the spirit is alive. Now, how we know this, too, is in John uh, Jesus comes along and, and is, he's told, hey, your friend, uh, he's dead and, and you're too late. And, and Jesus is going there anyway because he says, well, I'm going to wake him up. I, I'm going to wake him up. I'm going to wake Lazarus up. And the disciples get confused and they think, well, if he's sleeping, that means he's going to get better. And Jesus is like, no, he's dead. <laughs> okay, he's dead. But to me, it's, he's sleeping because his body's sleeping. And I'm going to go wake the body up because Lazarus is still around. Do you see what I'm saying? Jesus taught that, that Lazarus is still around. His spirit's still alive, but his body's asleep. And we're going to go there and wake the body up, to which he does. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verse 6, it says that after that, after this appearing, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Here's what Paul's saying here. He says, hey, Jesus didn't appear just to two women at the tomb or three women 
So if you've heard that and you think, well, I don't know if Jesus really rose from the dead, because wasn't that like two or three women that saw him? No, Paul says more than 500 saw him at one time. He appeared over several days to many different people, and on one occasion, he appeared to over 500 of the brothers and the sisters, and some of those people are still alive, so just go talk to them. And say, hey, did you see Jesus alive? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and my neighbor did too. We were there together. So, yeah. We, we, matter of fact, half the street was there at the gathering. And, and Paul says, so you can go talk to him. Although, now notice this. He says, some of them are asleep. Now, what he means, of course, is their body is asleep. Look at Acts chapter 7, the life of Stephen. He's being stoned for his confession of Jesus. And it says, while they were stoning him in verse 59, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, which is much like the Jesus prayer on the cross where he says, Father, just receive my spirit. And, and he says, my body, see, my body's going to stay here in a little bit. One of these stones is going to take me out here in a little bit. They're going to hit the right spot, and I'm going down. But in the meantime, would you just receive my spirit? Because I'm about to leave this body on the ground here, but my spirit is going to live on. Then he fell to his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Again, much like the prayer of Jesus on the cross. And when he had said this, what did he do? He fell asleep. See, the Bible says his body fell and it fell asleep. And so the body sleeps, but the spirit lives on. Now, what exactly happened? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, and we're going to read several different passages today, so hang with me here because I want to cover as much territory and give you as much information about this incredible event that is already on God's calendar. 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. In other words, my body belongs here, but my spirit doesn't. How many are with Paul there? My body may be of this planet, but my spirit's not. My spirit, I have a different address. Hello? This, this body has a physical address in Avon, Indiana. But this spirit has another address, and that address is heaven. It's heaven. In Philippians chapter 1, Verse 23, Paul says it like this. I'm kind of pulled in two directions. I love how Paul talks. I, I kind of want to leave this life and be with Christ. In other words, Paul saw it like this. If I leave here, if I die, in that moment, I go to be with God. If I leave here, I will be with him, which is a far better thing, but for your sake... It's more important that my spirit stays inside my body. 
And, and so here's what Paul understood and what I want you to understand is your soul never sleeps. Okay, there, there's no such thing as soul sleep. Your soul does not sleep. Your body needs to sleep, and your body will sleep in the sense that the Bible calls death sleep because even your body, and we'll see this in a moment, it's going to wake up one of these days. Even that body is going to come back again. Always conscious, the spirit is always conscious, and it's always recognizable. On one occasion, Jesus was on a mountaintop, and some of his disciples were up there with him, and the disciples said, well, he doesn't look alone. It looks like a couple of guys are hanging out with him. And they saw some kind of spiritual imagery of two Old Testament prophets, Elijah and also Moses. And they said, looks like he's talking to them. Now, how did they do that? Because their bodies weren't there, but their spirits were there. So there's some kind of heavenly form that Paul refers to that goes up to meet the Lord. But in the meantime, Paul gives another teaching, and I don't have time for this, but let me just tease it out a little bit here. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit on this planet. And so because it is, here's what Paul teaches, you better treat, teach it respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, all right? You better respect yourself. And Paul talks on one occasion about don't be joining up with just anybody. Don't be hooking up with whoever because do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God lives in you. So it's important to respect that body, that temple. Now what, let me ask you this. This is a big question today, all right? You ready? If you're in the chat, just say, I'm ready. I'm ready, all right? I'm ready. Here, here's the question. What would you like to be found doing when Jesus comes back? Because it could be today. Could be in the next 10 minutes. Could be in the next 10 years. We don't know. What I do know is I was not predicting 2020 in January. Anybody with me on that? I mean, in January, I had big plans for this year. I had some, I had vacation. I did. That, that went away. I had some other things on my calendar. I had, I had plans. I had dreams of this year and all. And how many know that all went away about March? And out of the blue, the whole year changed. I'm telling you, you don't know when the Lord's going to come back. So, what would you like to be doing when he comes? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2 says, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, a thief, a good thief, doesn't say, I'm about to break in. I want to get your gun. You know, 
Now, want to get ready. Don't leave. I, I was watching you see when you were going to pull out of your house, and then I was going to come break in. No, he doesn't do that. They come unannounced, right? It's kind of the whole point. And, and so Paul says, that's how the rapture is going to happen. You're not going to know the day or the time of when it happens. So what would you like to be found doing when it happens? Let's look at the structure of the rapture, all right? I want to help you to get some handles on this, two handles that we'll look at in the structure of the rapture. The first thing is the foundation of the rapture. What's the foundation or the basis of the rapture. What exactly do we base it on? Here's what Paul teaches in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Here is the foundation of the rapture of the dead and alive being caught up together with the Lord. It is based upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that your sin, my sin, was paid for by Jesus, the Son of God, coming down to this planet, absorbing your sin, my sin, upon himself, and dying for it on the cross as a sacrifice so you get to go free. He took upon him, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. And here's what he did. He took your death upon him. So death no longer has a hold on you. It's all because of him and what he's done. So see, you don't have to fear death anymore because Jesus died and rose from the dead. Hundreds of people saw him after he rose from the dead. It's, it's a fact that he rose from the dead. And because he lives, I live also in him. I have resurrection power. Here's what he says in, in verse 14. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And so the Bible says, he rose, so these people, grandma, okay, your believing grandma, your praying grandma, your, your praying grandpa, your, your praying friend, your saved loved ones, those who are in Christ will be resurrected one day. That, those who have fallen asleep, he's gonna wake them up. In John chapter 14, verse 19, Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. 1 Corinthians 6, 14, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. If he raised Jesus, he will raise you also. 2 Corinthians 4, 14, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus 
and present us with you to himself. Because he lives, we have life in him. My basis of why I believe I will be raptured, dead, or alive is because Jesus is alive now. And he took my sin. I'm crucified with Christ, Paul's put it in Galatians 2.20. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I'm a new creation. Here's what he says in 1 Thessalonians 4.14. Let's read it again. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Verse 15, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord. Now, notice this. Jesus referred to this. Paul revealed this. It's not just a work of Christ by which we're going to go to heaven. But Paul says it's by the word of Christ. Jesus said, I'm coming back. Now listen, that's not just a prophet who said that. Hello? That's not just a prophet. Listen, the, the man who said that is the man who said, I'll be crucified, they'll bury me, and I'll rise again, and he did it. He did it. That's more than a prophet. That is the son of God. And he, by his word, has said that this is going to happen. So we know that the word of Christ locks it in. Now, listen to what he says next. We will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So we live in anticipation of this sure event. He says, we certainly, we, we certainly are going to experience this together, the alive and the dead, those asleep. So that's the foundation. Now, let's come up with the walls Let's look at the framework of the rapture, all right? The framework of the rapture, reading on in verse 16, 1 Thessalonians 4, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven. I want you to know that this event is so important to Jesus that he is coming personally, okay? No, no angel will be sent for you. No, no other person will come for you. Who is coming for you is who Jesus referred to as himself. He says, the groom is gonna come get the bride. And I don't have time to go into all the Jewish history of this, but in Jewish history, the focus was on the groom, all right? The groom would lead a parade and he would come to the bride's home and he would get his bride and take her to the wedding. That's how it would be handled. So likewise, Jesus says, I'm the groom. I'm gonna come get my bride and I'm gonna take her away to this wedding feast that we're gonna share together. And here it is. 
He says, in, in the next part, he says, with a cry of command, all right? Now, kalusma is the word that is used there in the original writing. And here's what it means. It's like a military command. Okay, now I've never served in the military, but those of you who have, maybe help me out. I, I think it's kind of like fall in. And how many know you better fall in? Right? And, and it's not an option. I'm too tired. I didn't sleep well or whatever. No, it's a command. Fall in. And in a millisecond, Jesus will Holler out. I, I don't know what the command will be, but, but rise up, whatever it is, it will be filled with such power that resurrection power will flood into your body. In one millisecond, you will be energized with a living, breathing word of Jesus that will electrify your body, magnetize it in some way that it will lift right off of this planet to meet the Lord in the air. I don't know about you, but that's almost worth getting excited about, huh? And everything that's dead in you will be wiped out immediately by that resurrection power. And if you don't think he can do it, he already has done it. He stood at the tomb of Lazarus, and with eyewitnesses all around, he hollered out, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man who had been in that grave for days came hopping out of that tomb, wrapped in grave clothes, and Jesus said, you better loose him and let him go. He's back. He's back. And one of these days, all our loved ones in Christ will say the same thing. I'm back, right? I'm back. All right, 1 Thessalonians, let's look at it again. Verse 16, so for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel. I'll just point this out. Uh, one archangel is named in the Bible, okay? His name is Michael. He shows up in the book of Daniel, and he shows up in the book of Revelation. Uh, he shows up in the book of Jude as well, and we don't know, I'm not going to read too much into this, but there's a voice of the archangel. I don't know what voice. It doesn't say what he's going to say. It's just a voice. Now, maybe he'll just echo what Jesus says. Maybe it'll be so exciting, such a moment, that, that all of history has been waiting for, for this command of Jesus to ring out. And, and the angel, the archangel, is going to be so excited. He's going to Amen. You know, I don't know if you've ever gotten that excited in church before, but where you, you just can't hardly stand it. It's like, yes, yes. I, I don't know what, he, but all of this, all of this is going to happen in a millisecond. It, it kind of reminds me of the old hymn you know, that I love, It Is Well With My Soul. And Lord, haste the day when by faith shall be sighed. The clouds be rolled back as the scroll. The trump shall resound. The Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. How many of you 
would agree with that as well with my soul. And here's what he goes on to say. Let's pick it up again. Verse 16. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. This, this is a trumpet call that's going to go out. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52 says, For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. Now, again, this all happens in a millisecond, but we know the disciples, when they were with Jesus on that mountain and the Father spoke, they said, it just sounded like thunder to us. It was like... You know, now Jesus understood it. He understood what was going on. But, but to them, it was just, and, and this thunderous announcement will be so powerful, so piercing this trumpet call of God that it will reach down into the depths of the earth and wake up every saint of God that's in those tombs. It'll even go down into the depths of the ocean. If you say, well, my loved one was lost at sea, I'm telling you the sound from heaven, the sound that was able to create the heavens and the earth will be so piercing, so powerful, it will go down into the depths of the sea and even wake up those who are there. That's what's going to happen. And here's what he says. He says, the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, why first? Somebody joked and said it's because they need a head start, all right? <laughs> I don't know that I go along with that, but, but here's what I do know is you're not gonna get that old body back. You're not gonna get the one that was stricken with cancer. You're not gonna get the one that was paralyzed by a stroke. You're not gonna get the one that you got up with this morning that you said, oh, me. Oh, wow, you know. Oh, hold on a minute, I'll get there, you know. That's not the one that's coming out to meet with Jesus. I want you to know you're getting a new body. I can't wait for my six-pack. How about you? 1 Thessalonians chapter 7, verse 17 says, After that, we who are still alive could be today and are left. Those of us that are right here, here's what's going to happen. We'll be caught up. Now, here's where rapture comes from. Is this term right here. Caught up together with them. Harpazo is the word. It's where we get the word rapture. The Latin translation of this is raptus. Okay, so it's where we get our word rapture. And the, the thought of it is to be forcibly seized. It's like when a hawk or an eagle comes down at about 150 miles per hour to catch and snatch their prey. It's boom. And the Bible says you are going to be rescued. Not, not just forcibly seized, for evil purposes, you'll be forcibly seized because I want to get you and take you home with me as fast as I can. Now, why? Why is it going to be so fast? Why, why so fast? Why, why is this going to happen? Well, this is a rescue operation. 
all right? And the devil's not even gonna know what hit him. See, think about it. If the devil knew when it was gonna happen, he'd fight you. Mm. Bible says he knows his days are short, but he doesn't know how short. Doesn't know exactly when. And he's not gonna know what hit him. Because every saint of God, dead or alive, will be rescued by the one who loves us more than we've ever been loved by anyone else, the one who has died for us. And by the way, you will be looking better than ever, all right? So so just turn to the person or type it in the chat, say, I'm going to be looking good. I'm going to be looking good. All right, in that moment, I want to remind you, all heartache, here, here's where some of us, we, we, we're like, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and I'm going through all this hell on earth. What is up with that? What kind of God is that? I just want you to know that that, that span of time, I don't care how long you live, if you, have, if you live to be 100 years old, it will pale in comparison to an eternity with God. Okay, and, it, and if you're going through something and heartache and sorrow and all of that, I'm telling you, in a millisecond, when the cry goes out, when the trumpet sounds, when you are with the one who died for you on the cross and went through all kinds of pain for you, and when you are lifted off this planet to forever be with him in a place that he's created for you, I'm telling you, you're not going to be complaining anymore. You're not going to be talking about, oh, I had such a tough time. Because it's going to pale in comparison. Your horror is going to be changed to healing. And he says we're going to be in the clouds. And for how long? Forever. Forever. So encourage one another with these words. Now, let me just wrap this up. Who do you need to encourage today with these words? Hey, hang on, hang on, it's coming, could be today, could be tonight, could be tomorrow, could be in 10 years, we don't, we don't know, but what we do know is, it is going to happen. Luke 12, verse 40, Jesus said, and you too must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you're not expecting Revelation 16, 15, Jesus says, Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake. I want to be awake, right? I want to be alert. And God wants you to be ready. The reason why I preach this message today is because God wants everybody in this room here in live attendance and those watching by the way of the internet, God God wants you to be ready for this. He has paid all the price for you to make the trip. All you need to do today is secure your reservation. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, they'll be rescued. See, you can live with confidence. See, whenever the world's just falling apart, You just say, hmm, could be today. Could be today. 
Wow, there's another birth pain. There's another reverberation on this planet reminding us that the Lord at any split second could call us home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the next thing on your calendar is not an election. (laughs) It's not a war. It's not another disease or something else happening. It is the coming of the Lord Jesus himself. And so, God, for those of us who have made a reservation, but sometimes we get distracted, help us to wake up today. Help us to wake up and realize that we need to live alert. We need to live ready. What would be we like to be doing when you come? Maybe witnessing to some person and then disappear. God, we ask that you'll help us. Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I, I just want to live with boldness, with unction of the Holy Spirit. I want to live with confidence in this day and age. I want to I be bold in my faith and reach other people and tell them about the coming of the Lord. How many are with me on that? You just raise a hand and say, yeah, I need to, I need to get some phone calls going. I need to share this message on, on Facebook or some other platform. Father, I pray that you'll help us to do all we can while we can with what we have to reach those who are yet to be reached. Maybe some of you watching or some of you in this room even, you're not ready. I mean, the thought of me talking about this, it doesn't give you confidence, it gives you concern. And if you're here this morning and you're concerned, about what might happen if that trumpet sounds, if God shouts from the heavens today, then I want you to know you can switch that concern to confidence. And it's not based on you. In spite of who you are, God wants to show himself in your life. The great forgiver, the great grace giver, the great mercy giver in your life. And if you're here today and you need mercy, you need grace, and you want to make sure you're ready when the Lord shouts from heaven, will you just raise a hand if you're in this room? Just raise it up. Yeah, and as you're doing that, uh, stretch your hand toward the screen. And uh, if you're not ready, if you feel anxiety about this, and listen, I don't want you to leave this broadcast today without making Jesus Lord of your life and, and knowing with confidence that you're ready for this great event that's going to happen. So let's pray. Just pray with me. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me, to pay for my sin. And I know I've sinned, but I want to start over. So I ask you to wash away my past. Free me of my guilt. Give me a new home in heaven. As much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for accepting me as a child of God and writing my name down and getting ready to come for me at any time of day or night. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're confident in his return, just clap your hands. Let's praise God. It's awesome. It's awesome.